Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. Treating tactical athletes can be challenging for a number of reasons. Those who are on active duty cannot always get the relative rest you'd like them to get when their occupation is physically demanding, and operating within a team environment can make it difficult for athletes of all types to bring up the fact that they are dealing with pain. Today, we have Dr. John J. Frazier, commander in the United States Navy, joining us to talk about his 20 years as a PT in the military, his experience treating in austere environments, as well as his advice for helping the athletes you serve see you for what you really are, their ally in helping them perform at their best, not the one who's there to take them out of the action. Dr. John J. Frazier is a board-certified orthopedic physical therapist, scientist, and leader in the United States Navy, currently serving as the Deputy Director for Operational Readiness and Health at the Naval Health Research Center in San Diego, California. My name is Dan Chapman. I'm a U.S.-based physical therapist and owner of Chapman PT in Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm Chelsea Kuman, a physical therapist and athletic trainer at Stanford University Athletics. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is this is a different topic than we're used to covering, and so we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, th- first of all, thank you for uh, for asking me to uh, to come on to the show. I've been in the Navy for about eighteen years, and uh, have some really good experiences uh, that I would love to share today. Because I am a commander in the uh, the United States Navy, all the views that I present today are my own. They're not representative, not necessarily representative of the uh, Department of Navy, Department of Defense, or or the United States government. So I think that's hands down the the most official thing that's ever been said on our podcast. And also, I think that now we have now officially made it. John, before we hop into treatment of tactical athletes, what what got you interested in joining the military as a PT? And can you tell us just a little bit about your experience? You know, I was in my last semester of PT school, uh, and I went to college Staten Island, part of City University of New York, and that's when 9-11 happened. And it was, uh, I had to come to an inflection point where it was like, I knew we were going into war, and I wanted to take what I know how to do best and, and, and you know, be able to contribute and take care of the service members. So finally, fiscal year uh, 2004, a bill came available got a phone call and he said, oh, guess where you're going? You're going to uh, Okinawa, Japan. So that was my first duty station. From there, I served as a ship's company on the USS Enterprise. So you're with 5,500 of your closest friends and you're the sole musculoskeletal provider. So I spent 15 months at sea on on the Enterprise. We did two uh, back-to-back deployments. After that, I got sent down to uh, Naval Hospital Camp Lejeune, where I worked in an outpatient primary care. As part of that, I I deployed with the 24th Mew in a proof of concept project, looking at the role of physical therapists with the Expeditionary Marine Unit. And that was great too, because I, you know, like on the ship, you know, you do ship to ship movements, ship to shore movements. I'd go take care of uh, the Marines that were camping out in the desert, you know, go out to outposts where there was no PT or any medical capability. So it, it really provided an opportunity to like bridge, like from a if you think about like we in, in domestically, we we think about you know urban and geographic, uh, suburban and rural, you know geographic barriers to care, right? Well, that's the same thing in the Marine Corps. If they're if if they're out in the middle of God's country somewhere, you know doing you know projecting power and ensuring national security, you know they're not going to have access to some of the you know definitive care. There is no brick and mortar. I mean, we were like literally, I was taking care of guys on a poncho liner underneath the tarp between two Humvees in the middle of nowhere. 
I, I was up at Naval uh, Health Clinic Quantica, and I, I believe I do believe we overlapped there uh, while while you're in OCS. Uh, so I, I supported on the the basic school. From there, I got picked up for my PhD. So the Navy sent me to school. I had the uh, fortune of, of of studying under uh, Jay Hurdle at University of Virginia. Uh, learned all things ankle and foot, and had a really great experience for the three years. And and now that takes me to my current role. I'm at a, now at Naval Health Research Center. You know, so all the medical planning aspects of, of the mission for the, for the Joint Chiefs. And then the, our other, we do everything from physical, psychological, cognitive performance, uh, injury prevention, and of course, injury mitigation, which is the rehab mission. So I guess, so the the goal of this podcast, right, is we want to get to kind of like your average outpatient clinician. You might have a military member or maybe a previous military member, and then also the other tactical athletes, firefighters, police officers, et cetera. So they're coming into your clinic and we need, we want to know how we can best treat them because they are a unique athlete, these tactical athletes. So we'll start with specifically just because your background is so extensive in the military. So even that these military members suffer from orthopedic injuries, like their injuries are similar to their civilian counterparts there, it's different to treat that population. So we want to know like kind of how that manifests and how we can best identify that, know that, and then treat that patient best. So let's choose the top two or three injuries that you would see in typical military members. Sure. And then what are some important considerations while we're treating those, those top two to three injuries? And and that is a very straightforward question with a very complex uh, response. (laughs) And so the first question was talking about the injuries that are most ubiquitous. And I I don't think this is going to be a surprise to any of the listeners out there. You know, low back pain is ubiquitous. That is probably one of our top diagnoses. The second and third top uh, diagnoses are lateral ankle sprains. Third, anterior knee pain is is also ubiquitous. I think that the the parallel for, for military and I'm going to use this term a lot, military tactical athletes, all right, is, is that th- there are a lot of parallels with athletics. So for any of the sports PTs that are listening, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of parallels between what we see in sports. And when I say that, not only the, the types of injuries, but also, the, you know, the team structure, the mission focus, you know, the, it, it's, you're a member of a something that's bigger than you, right? So I, I'm going to talk about that in the context because I think there's important psychological and social factors that mediate, you know, outcomes, you know, in our population. This is the activities and the actual like physical demands of the military are going to be are similar to sport, right? But the the rest is not the same. There is no off season, and you can't just like have a. Um, What's the, the NBA call it? Like the recovery day, the load management day. Like you have to go to work. That's your job. And you have to, you have like, you're a part of a team and you're an essential wheel in that team. So knowing that, what type of interventions do you find to be helpful in treating those individuals? Are there specific loading modifications that you really enjoy using when like somebody just can't get that rest? Sure. Well, I think that's where the communication comes in. Every military member has a primary care manager now, if you if you're providing a recommendation, you know, to put that tactical athlete in a limited duty stat or a a modified duty status, I should say, you're basically providing recommendations to make accommodations during the healing process, and and for the most part, you know, the the that is honored, and you know, there's some extreme conditions when they say, well, we we, it, we can't, right, you know, because of 
because of necessity. I think more you see more of a problem though is that oftentimes because we have a mission focused uh, perspective and you're you're a cog in a larger wheel and I, I oftentimes care seeking will be either delayed because you're they put the mission in front of self right and they'll just suck it up suck it up suck it up and then and then next thing you know it becomes a a larger problem right you know they can no longer execute in whatever mission set and but that's the you know from a from a military pers- you know PT perspective that's where you know in a lot of the capacities we're actually integrated into the units and we are with the units and we're able to talk you know we actually have the relationship we talked about tactical athletes with the coaches and the team administration only in the military instead of coaches you have non-commissioned and staff non-commissioned officers right you know the the senior enlisted and then the team administration is typically your officer staff that are in charge of that sailor, marine, coast guardsman, soldier, right? You know, so you 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 actually serve as an advocate, you know, between those forces representing the medical, advocating for that particular patient. You talked a lot about the the team mindset that is so important in the military, particularly with tactical athletes. And you, as the physical therapist, can be the one that puts them on light duty, right? If they let's say they need to be on light duty to get some sort of relative rest, but I can imagine for tactical athletes or military members that knowing that you are the individual that can put them kind of temporarily out of commission, so to speak, so that they can't actually be with the team can also create a barrier. And I know you you have a clinical perspective on this where actually going to physical therapy and, and being worried about getting taken away from the team can be a barrier to care and also then be a threat to force readiness because then you also have a number of military members that aren't performing at their best because they st- they want to be with the team instead of getting the care that they need. So how do you as the physical therapist in that situation, and I think this applies to a lot of sports PTs as well, dealing with athletes that are, you know, having the same, same issues with their, their, their team-based athletes. How do you frame yourself as a ally for these individuals to, 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 to help them be a more effective part of the team? When I think there is that understanding that, that, that they're worried about bringing up the fact that they need care or they have these issues. And in my experience, at least with the, with the Marines who, and, you know, I give you my background, I've spent most of my t- my career with, with the Marines you know, I think it boiled down to, you know, there was a substantial fear. In 2010, I deployed on a proof of concept project. And I mentioned that earlier, where I was deployed with the Marines. And I, I surveyed, and it, it was about a 33% non-care seeking, where they had either, you know, they had something brewing, and they just did not seek medical care. And then I started asking, you know, it's always, you always get the truth from the junior guys, you know, and I would ask them, so why didn't you want to seek care? And I, And it boiled down to like, you know, aviators are notorious for this, where it's like they don't want to be down. They don't want to be taken out of the fight. So they just won't, they'll just, they'll suck it up. They won't come in. They'll just deal with it until a point when they actually can. Perhaps they're no longer in a flight status and they're doing a staff job. Yeah. And then they'll say, I've, I've just been sucking this up for them for years and years and years because they were afraid that they would get pulled out of the fight. And it's a big barrier. But the nice thing is that when, when you integrate the PTs, with the respective units, whether that, you know, on ship with the Marine units, you know, embarked. I know the Army's been deploying PT for many years. You develop a reputation, okay? And once they find out that you're competent, you know, because they were going to say, you know, I always hear, you know, from what are they going to do? Tell me to change my socks, hydrate, and, and take some Motrin. And the answer is like, no, I have a lot more to offer. But once they find out that you could offer them more, 
And you build up the reputation to the guy or gal that's able to take care of that, that service member. You're there to help them and enable them to do their job better, right? From a performance perspective, you're not optimal. You're not performing at optimal condition if you have a very active, you know, musculoskeletal injury, right? It's just one of those things. And and in addition to the min, the mission centrism, there's also a certain you know stoicism, where we pain's equated with hard work, right? No pain, no gain, right? That's some. It, I think instilled in them early in their careers when they're in the training pipelines, because those are attrition based, you know, that's where the vetting occurs, right? Can somebody cut it or not? But, you know, if you have a, a current issue going on, I'm just going to keep it to myself, continue to perform. Okay. So that I, can, I can meet that end state and I don't want to get dropped out of that training. So, and then that perpetuates, I think, you know, as they get into the operational forces and the fleet, and, and it's just, it's, I think it's no different than athletics, right? But once, once you embed the PT and you build the trust and they, and you're known as a competent and accessible asset, I'd go, I'd go push out to the, you know, the outposts where they were sleeping on the ground under tents, you know, in the middle of, you know, nowhere, right? Next thing you know, they're going to say, Hey, I have this going on. Could you take care of it? Of course, that's what I'm here for. And you take care of it and, and, and then they're happy for it. And from a, readiness perspective and a health perspective, you just optimize that asset that you need to perform when it really counts. So really not so different from the civilian world in, in some sense that we are, as a profession, are working towards showing the public that PT isn't just about rehabilitating after a major injury has occurred, but rather improving pain and dysfunction before it stops you in your tracks, as well as optimizing performance, really seeing PTs as a proactive option rather than just a reactive option once an injury has already occurred. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually just going to also comment too. It also sounds like this is an area where education would be incredibly important in this population. So not only to, right, you can teach them about what's going on, you build some rapport, you gain some trust that you know what you're talking about, but then also they can understand why you're doing the things that you're doing, why no pain, no gain doesn't always apply to what the situation is. And it seems like they'd be a pretty receptive population to that education. And I think from a healthcare delivery perspective, and this is this is uh, very different from the civilian sector, and I think this is a real boon for the military, is that you know the PTs are are part of a larger interdisciplinary specialized team, and you know we work shoulder to shoulder with our sports med docs, with our athletic trainers, which plays such an important role, right? So the PTs are are an integral part. It's not like yeah, we're going to refer to that PT over there. It's it's. You know, whereas part on the primary care level, as part of these comprehensive, you know, care teams, right? Integrate, you know, integrated care teams, the PTs play such an important role uh, in in that in that mission. So, you know, I think that's important to keep that context: is that we're as part of the the larger interdisciplinary uh, specialized team. Could you actually touch on that a little bit, just about the the heightened autonomy of physical therapists within the military? Because I think that's quite. Uh, it's it's different than civilian PTs. And from what I've seen, the evidence bears out that it, it leads to uh, lower barriers to care and improve, improved access to care and improved outcomes. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what PTs can do in the military that PTs in the civilian sector can't. Oh, uh, yeah. The, and and having practiced two years on the civilian side and coming into the military uh, was was definitely an eye opener. And I was like a kid in a candy shop. So I was like, this is, this is, this is great. So we, we talked about the direct access and the ability to, you know, to manage. 
but we have a, a wide array of, of, of core and supplemental privileges, which depending on the training you have access to. So some of that is that I'm able to order imaging, which is huge because on the primary care level, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to ankles. You, you, I can't talk without talking about ankles. So like, you know, positive volatile rules, right? Painful weight bearing, tendons palpation in certain aspects of the, uh, you know, the osteostructures. Or, and we know concomitant fractures is 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 uh, common with with these injuries. I order the imaging, and you're imagining quarterly. And do I always use it? No, it's a clinical correlate, right? And the physical exam is is the most important. So the imaging is one piece. The uh, medication, uh, whether that be NSAIDs or antispasmodic, I have that on my formulary. I was credentialed. I, I let this one go, but I was credentialed to do uh, joint aspirations and injections. And I did that for, for many years until the, you know, the evidence has been mounting in recent years and I've, I've, I've purposely let that go. But, you know, so that's, that's another supplemental that I've held over the years. Dry needle. I, I know that's, that's a hot, pre- that's a big hot press. I know a lot of states allow it, you know, others don't. Battlefield acupuncture is, is or acupuncture writ large is, is a, another supplemental that I know folks uh, have. And, and for a while, you know, we had folks going through the training pipeline. There's, there's, a wide array of training that PTs have access to, you know, in, in the military that you wouldn't necessarily have in the civilian side. Well, I know we have a lot of people in the APTA working towards establishing civilian PTs as the go-to primary care providers for musculoskeletal issues. And a lot of that evidence for improved care delivery in that sense really comes from PTs in the military. So we certainly have you to thank for that. So all of the outpatient PTs and sports PTs listening, John, you have all of their ears. When a tactical athlete walks through the door of their outpatient clinic, what is like one of the, what is the biggest thing you want them to remember and take away from this podcast? I think the biggest, the the biggest thing with military tactical athletes, you know, and this, a lot of times this is no different than what, like I mentioned earlier, treat the individual patient, understand what is their requirements, right? What are their duty requirements? based on their occupational specialty, I think is a, a very important. Know that there is both intrinsic and extrinsic pressures to get that patient back to that status as fast as possible. I think that's an important piece. There's typically a, a, a time component. A little bit you're on a clock because that unit's readiness is dependent. I think it's important to develop relationships with uh, folks that are on base, that are overseeing it, and to develop those relationships so that way clear communication could occur across the healthcare team, as well as you know the individual unit commands, if, if that's possible from time to time. Understand that the environmental hazards that that person's exposed to is very different than what you would see, because how many folks ex- outside of hunters and trail runners do you know are tramping through the woods without light trying to meet an objective? Sleep. Sleep is a very important factor as it pertains to pain, musculoskeletal injury, because in a lot of cases, this tactical athlete is going to be performing where the enemy gets a vote and, and what and what that person is exposed to and and how and how they need to operate. And that there's larger forces at play beyond that that individual. And then of course, pay attention to sport specific activities. You know, I think that's that's always a salient, you know, depending on what kind of sport that person has to play. If if they require sprinting and getting from one point of cover and returning fire, okay, simulating that scenario may be in your interest when you make a determination for return to uh return to duty or return to sport, right? You know, as we say in the on the athletic side. 
So I, I think that there's there, there's truly salient pieces that there's overlap, but just keep in consideration that this person is going to be performing in austere and difficult uh, environments. And then, of course, the intrinsic factors, asking the patient about you know what's important to them, assessing for comorbidities. I, I think this is all salient for you know, when I say comorbidities, whether that be physical or psychological, right? Because that, that's going to play, those are important intrinsic mediators for outcomes, right? So I think addressing, you know, both environmental and intrinsic factors that will mediate outcomes, there's salient, like intrinsic and environmental factors that you need to be cognizant about. Communication between the sta- all stakeholders, I think, is, an, is, is good, good advice for any PT taking care of this population. You know, I think that, that I think that wraps it up pretty nicely for us. It's comprehensive and thorough. John, it's been awesome to have you on JOSPT Insights. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us about your vast experience in the military as a PT, as well as treating tactical athletes. First of all, thank you for uh, asking me onto the podcast. But I also want to I also want to uh, thank everybody's support of the military and the military tactical athlete. We we just really appreciate it. So thank thank you. I hope this is like the first of many questions to come. So, and, and I encourage everybody, I, I do want to make a plug for the, uh, for the tactical athlete uh, interest group as, as for, uh, as part of the sports section. If anybody wants to learn more about tactical athlete, I have one opinion from, from a, from a Navy PT's perspective. I would also encourage you to talk to my air force and our army colleagues in the association. Well, thank you so much, John. We so appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Great. Thank thank you for having me. I appreciate it once again. One last big thank you to Dr. John J. Frazier. And of course, thank you to all of you for listening to JOSPT Insights. Thanks for listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favorite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, we're at JOSPT, and Facebook, we're JOSPT Official. Talk with you next time.